In this episode of Locked On Capitals, we talk with J.J. Regan from NBC Sportington. We talk about how the Washington Capitals clinched a playoff spot. We talk about which team they're most likely to play. We talk about the inevitable Caps rebuild. Yes, I know a lot. A lot depends on what happens in the postseason here, but this is an aging roster, so there is a real coming at some point. We talk about the goaltending situation. Ilya Samsonov has been playing consistent as of late, but that consistency has been an issue throughout the entire season. We talk about Tom Wilson's image. Yes, he's not just a tough guy. He's a legitimate goal scorer. He's number three on the Washington Capitals in goal. And then... We talk about Alex, Ovech- Alex Ovechkin's goal chase as he's chasing down Wayne Gretzky for the all-time goal leader. We'll talk about all of that and more next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome in to this edition of Lockdown Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find Locked On Capitals on Twitter. It's at Locked On Caps. So without further ado, we talk with J.J. Regan from NBC Sports Washington about the state of the Washington Capitals. This team is kind of in a fluid situation. They're all over the place. They don't have a solid identity. As of late, they've been playing great hockey, and we'll talk about that. Without further ado, here is my conversation with J.J. Regan. All right, we are now happy to announce we have J.J. Regan on the show from NBC Sports Washington, someone that knows a ton about the Washington Capitals. First of all, thank you for joining us today, JJ. Sure, it's good to be on. So last night, it was a big night. The Washington Capitals clinched a playoff spot uh, because Toronto lost uh, to, or excuse me, the Islanders lost to Toronto. Um, So who do you think the Capitals will fare the best with in the playoffs? Um, It could be the Hurricanes or the Panthers. Where do you see the Capitals going? Yeah, so I think most likely they play the Panthers, and unfortunately, that's probably the worst possible matchup for this team. I know there are comparisons to the 2010 Caps, and those are apt. This is a team that loves offense, that keeps managing to make these massive comebacks. But of course, if you have to keep coming back in games, that means that you're letting other teams score on you all that much to begin with. And with goals harder to come by in the playoffs, that that's a tough way to win. I, I get those comparisons. The problem is the Capitals are a team that has serious questions in net with their goaltenders and Florida's offense is an actual buzzsaw. So that's going to be a really tough matchup for the caps. And unfortunately I think that's the most likely, I think that you'd rather play. I, I I think they would have a legitimate shot against Carolina because the capitals are at their best when they play a physical style. Carolina is a better team than the capitals are, but I think Carolina is also an emotional team, and I think you can drag them down into a knockdown, drag out fight, which benefits the Capitals and their style. And the Rangers, they're not as good as they look, as their record shows. They've just been carried by 
one of the best goalies in the world, someone who in one or two years is going to be the best goalie in the world in Igor Shesterkin. So, you know, a goalie can catch fire. Maybe, maybe, you know, it's one of those be careful what you wish for situations where if you end up getting the Rangers, maybe he shuts you down and you can't do anything against the team that on paper you're probably better than. But, you know, if you can get the Shesterkin, there's not much else there with the, uh, with the Rangers, that that really scares you. Yeah, they have Panarin. Yeah, they have some good players. They have Kreider, who's on fire. They have Adam Fox. They have good players. But their team is – we all thought they were a year away still, and their goalie is dragging them to uh, much faster than anyone anticipated. So those are the three most likely, and unfortunately the most likely is the one that the Capitals would probably want to avoid seeing. And I read that, that uh, the Capitals really don't want to face this Panthers team. Um, they made some big acquisitions. They have Avrosky and Nett. They have, they picked up Claude Drew. So it just seems like there's a lot of depth. And this is a kind of a perennial loser team. I mean, they haven't been good for quite some time here. So just the question on the Capitals play as of late, other than the game against uh, the Leafs, the Capitals have been playing great. You know, there was that Hurricanes wild game. What do you attribute their success to? Back in October, they were playing as if they were a contender. Then in January, they were playing as one of or perhaps the worst teams in the league. What do you attribute their somewhat recent success to? The recent success, uh, the offense is clicking. And at the beginning of the season, they were getting a lot of contributions from younger guys, which was great, but it was also unsustainable. It was one of those situations where the top line was scoring and then whoever Peter Laviolette happened to put into the lineup that night, that guy happened to score. But with those young guys, that that's not going to be consistent. Most of those guys aren't going to be star players. And so they caught fire early on, and they did really well with that. And then the injuries started to catch up with them. Fatigue started to catch up with them. The, the growing pains of being a rookie in the NHL started to catch up with some of these players. And so things – and the goaltending really started to catch up with them. And so that's when we saw the lull. And now the offense is clicking again as Peter Laviolette is trying to work with the offensive lines to get his best lineup for the playoffs. I think they really have something there with the Anthony Mantha, Lars Eller, Tom Wilson line. That line has been incredible since they've been put together. Alex Ovechkin and Kuznetsov obviously can play well with whoever you put on their, on their line. Plus, you're also, so far, Nicholas Backstrom and TJ Oshie have managed to stay healthy for – few weeks here and that has been yeah. an issue for them all season long so so long as those things continue going on their offense looks pretty set and we can see as we see when they're rolling when this offense is clicking they are still a dynamic team offensively they can still put up a lot of points so it's just a matter of keeping those guys healthy and keeping the chemistry with those lines together yeah, it just seems uh, T.J. Oshie's a guy that always plays 110%. So, you know, he plays bigger than he actually is. So I think that oftentimes that's why he's prone to injury. So we've heard a lot of things about that notorious team meeting, the one that uh, T.J. Oshie talked about and the one that uh, Nicholas Backstrom played that he didn't know what they, they were talking about. Um, how much do you think of that impact that team meeting had you know, I know I talked about it earlier in the podcast that, you know, uh, sometimes they have to have those special team meetings. The coach can only do so much. What do you think the impact of that meeting was? Well, the impact was clear. They started playing much better than they were before that. And, and you know, to give credit to them, this happened after two blowout losses, one to Carolina, one to Minnesota. The Carolina game, it was the last game before a week off for the Caps. 
the Capitals had beaten Carolina three times this season. That game mattered a lot more to Carolina than it did to Washington. The troubling thing was that when they came back from that break, they got clobbered by Minnesota. And, you know, yes, it's after, after a long break. So maybe the thing about team meetings is we don't know exactly what is said. We know that they closed the doors. We don't know if it's, if it's guys saying, Hey, you specifically, you need to be better. We don't know if it's just, Hey guys, like we're, it's time to step things up. We don't know how harsh these things get. We don't know exactly what is said. All we know is that the results and the results since coming back, they've been fantastic. You know, minus the blip against Toronto, which was a bad game for them. They've been absolutely fantastic. So, you know, I, I can't tell you exactly what was said. I can't tell you exactly what the, you know, whether there was a player who was called out and said, okay, I need to step things up or what that reaction was. All I could speak to is that the results are there and they absolutely have looked better since then. So that, you know, they're cliche. Everyone sort of panics whenever there's those meetings come around, but if it works, it works. And so far for the caps, it's worked. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I heard about in that team meeting. I'm like, I know it's going to have some impact. I didn't know how big of an impact, but obviously it worked and that's uh, just some accountability on them. So as I look at this team throughout the year, um, you know, like I, they were mentioning here I, in my notes here that they weren't playing as good earlier in the year. And you can draw some lines as to where they caught fire. The return of Anthony Mantha, uh, who's been on a goal scoring tear, and uh, Vitek Vanacek, who mitch, missed a big chunk because of that uh, injury he sustained against Pittsburgh. Do you think that Mantha returning and Vitek Vanacek turning it up is what uh, kind of is put the Capitals in the position where they are right now? Anthony Mantha, absolutely. Uh, Anthony Mantha has been great since he has returned. He has been, uh, you know, he's playing more physically than I've seen him. That was my biggest uh, concern with him uh, when he was brought in. He was a big body, but he didn't use it. And even, you know, last year when he was productive, and, you know, in the playoffs, he didn't score at all, but I still thought he played really well. But my one criticism of him was that he never used that body. He didn't know how to play, you know, use that to his advantage. Even if you don't want to run people over, you still got to be able to use what you have to your advantage. And he didn't do that. Now he is. And now he's being much better for it. And I really like the way he's playing. And as I mentioned before, they seem to have caught fire with the Mantha Eller Wilson line. That's a that's a huge boost for them, especially if Backstrom and Oshie can stay healthy. Then you've got three very deep lines offensively for your team. So he's made a huge difference since his return. Vitek Vanacek has been up and down, hot and cold, just like all the goaltending. You know, for he's the polar opposite of Ilya Samsonov. Ilya Samsonov can make the fantastic saves and then let in the softest goal you've ever seen. Vitek Vanacek doesn't lend in too many soft goals, although he did against Montreal. There were two that he probably should have had. He usually doesn't let in too many soft goals, but he can't steal any of the saves either. So, you know, he, he's a consistently good, if not great goalie. I think that helps. I think having some consistency in net is, is a good thing, but, you know, they, they've struggled to find it. And he, he struggled to find the form that he had when he was really hot in earlier in the, you know, February, March uh, period of the season when he was really, really good. He, he hasn't been able to find that since he's returned from injury. All right. We will continue to talk to JJ Regan more about the goaltending situation after the break. 
With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients in seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Get farm-fresh seasonal produce and easy-to-make recipes delivered right to your door every week. Ingredients travel from the farm to your doorstep in under a week, so they're always fresh, all without a trip to the grocery store or the farmer's market. And let's face it, who has time? to waste going to the grocery store. That's why we need HelloFresh. It's all about convenience with HelloFresh. Not only do the ingredients come pre-portioned so you're not overbuying or wasting food, but it's easier than ever to get filling meals on the table in a snap with options like family-friendly or quick and easy recipes. HelloFresh's chefs really know how to diversify the menu with seasonal recipes like salmon limon and pasta primavera. So head over to HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash LOCKEDON16 and use promo code LOCKEDON16 for 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. That's right, go to HelloFresh.com slash LOCKED16 and use promo code LOCKEDON16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. Thank you, HelloFresh. All right, welcome back. We have J.J. Regan from NBC Sports Washington with us talking Capitals. What a great time to have J.J. here as the Capitals are headed to the playoffs. As we found out yesterday, they uh, clinched, or last night, I should say, a spot in the playoffs. So one of the biggest causes of concern, I would say, and it's not a novel thing to say, is netminding. All the uh, Capitals beat writers, J.J. Regan, and everyone has talked about the netminding being an issue. And, I mean, you can't really argue with that. Did the Capitals do the right thing by not picking up a goalie at the trade deadline? You know, there wasn't a lot to have. There was uh, Marc-Andre Fleury out there, and I was concerned at what the Capitals would have to give up. Are they going to keep having to give up futures, you know, kind of kicking the ball down and not having any good draft picks? Just looking out there, there weren't some really great goalie options out there. Did they do the right thing? Because now, let's face it, they're stuck with Vitek and Ilya. You know, unless one of them falters, they could call up Fukali. What do you think? So I, I think they should have gone for another goalie and brought in another goalie. But I will give a caveat. You know, at, Brian McClellan said that there didn't look like there were too many upgrades out there. He didn't want to just bring in a goalie who wouldn't be an upgrade. And I understand that reasoning. Uh, and we don't know, you know, maybe he went to Lou, Lam- Lou Lamorello and said, what can I, what will it take to get Semyon Varlamov? If he says three first round draft picks, well, then you have to walk. Right. If, you know, if the Sharks said you could have James Reimer for Connor McMichael and Hendricks LaPierre, well, then you have to walk away. My argument with the goaltending is that you have to approach every year as if this is the last year for this team to be in cup contention because they are older. And we have seen Lars Eller's play has regressed this year. Nicholas Backstrom miss did not play until December because of an injury that he suffered from last season. TJ Oshie can't stay healthy. You are seeing the, the age regression of these players that we thought would never come because they seemed ageless for so long. You're seeing it now. You have to approach every year as if this is the last year. So even if you don't think there was a clear upgrade, I would have brought someone in anyway just in case maybe you could get a guy who could catch fire. But my concern is you didn't address goaltending, which you knew would be a problem. And now in going into the playoffs, if you lose in the first round, because goaltending is your biggest problem, which could realistically be be the case, then to me, you didn't do enough to improve your team. I get, I understand McClellan's reasoning 
And again, you have to give the caveat. You don't know what the other general manager said. Maybe he did desperately try to find a goalie and he's not going to tell us that he's not going to say, well, you know, I tried to get rid of, I tried to find someone because our goalies are terrible. And so now we're stuck with them. And you know, he's not going to say that. And he's not going to say that the other general managers, you know, put his feet to the fire and the, the asking price was too huge and he couldn't do it. He's got to, he's got to play it safe and say, look, there was no upgrades. We trust in our goalies. But to me, you had to bring in someone, even if you weren't sure, even if you thought it was a lateral move and they were just as good because you had to catch fire because we know what this team's biggest weakness is. And if that turns out to be the biggest weakness that sends them home in the first round, then you didn't do enough to get them into that deep run in what could be the last year of this team being a cup contender. Yeah, and that's what worries me the most about that is just, it, it just seems like they should have picked up that veteran netminder. You guys have all talked about it, the Caps beat writers. I just, like you were saying, I don't think there was, they didn't want to give up too much and there weren't a lot of great options. It seems like everyone in DC, you know, myself included, I loved Braden Holpe, but that seemed like kind of an ill-fated thing from the very beginning uh, around the trade deadline. Everyone's like, I want Braden Holpe back. And I'm thinking to myself, are we getting Braden Holpe from 2018 are we getting the one that was kind of on the downward slide playing for the Canucks? Um, he's he's playing awesome this year for the Dallas Stars. So do you think that that is in the Capitals' future? As odd of a question is that, do you think you could see a return to Braden Holtby to the Capitals at some point? I know that there's uh, the goaltending, is, uh, there's free agents up there. So what's going to happen with Ilya and VTech? So many questions abound. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, possibly because they're going to have to pick one of these guys in the offseason. I don't think you can return for another year with a Samsonov uh, Vanacek tandem. I think you have to pick one and roll with it. And, you know, maybe it's Samsonov, maybe because you think the ceiling is high on him and you see the athletic ability there. Uh, I think it's probably more likely to be Vanacek. But the thing that fans should understand, the thing that I've – the thing that fans should understand about the goaltending is to say that I don't trust Ilya Samsonov anymore. You can have that criticism. It is fair. He has been inconsistent. But that does not automatically mean Vitek Vanacek is now a number one starting goalie in the NHL. And I think a lot of people are making that leap of, I don't like Samsonov. Therefore, Vanacek is a starting NHL goalie. To me, I don't think you win a Stanley Cup if Vitek Vanacek is your number one. Uh, I, you know, it's hard for me to argue that you can if Samsonov is your number one. I like his athletic ability. I think he has the elite athletic skill. He just cannot mentally put it all together. And so the, it, this is an issue that the Capitals have. And so I, I think heading into the offseason, you know, if you lose in the first round, you, look, if you lose in the first round, you've seen both goalies. I don't think you've rolled with with the same guy for five, six games and lost every game two to one. And it's, oh, you know, Vancek did the best he could, but we still lost. I think you see both goalies. Um, I think if goaltending is as big of an issue as we think it is, you're going to have to pick one of these guys and then bring in a veteran who that younger guy can learn from. And maybe you can lean on a little bit more next season uh, in these situations. You know, uh, there's a lot to be determined. If they crash and burn in four games in the first round, then, Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to have to have a different discussion because it's going to be, okay, what's the future of this team next year? Anyway, we, you know, where are they going from here? So there's still a lot to be determined. I know it seems like, you know, we, 
it feels like we know what we know now about the goaltending, but the playoffs have a, a way of shaking things up and making us see things completely differently. So maybe a month from now, we're having a totally different conversation about where this team is headed and who they're going to keep and, and uh, what the goaltending is going to be in the offseason. But right now, you know, could Holtby be an option? Maybe because they're going to have to bring a veteran to back up one of these two young defend one of these two young net miners next year. Yeah, I mean, and then the other option I think maybe is an untapped resource. And, you know, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but uh, Zach Fukali, he just has the, when I've seen him play for the Caps and the, for the for the Bears, he seems to have some really, you know, promising potential. I will say he had those three shutouts for the Bears this year. And when he played for the Caps overall, I think he played well. Do you think Zach Fukali is an option? I know that to kind of goes counter with what you're saying is they need a veteran netminder, but say they part with VTech or Ilya because I don't know, can they pay both of those netminders to keep them next year? And do you want to for one? So anyway, do you think Zach Fukali is an option for the Capitals next year? I'm not sure. The thing that we you have to remember is that these coaches see these goalies a lot more than we do. So they know a lot more about these guys than we do. And so when Fukali came up and he got a, he got a string of a few games there, it felt to me and it felt like to the other beat writers, like this is your shot because I felt like they had evaluated him and on their depth chart, he was the number three. And, you know, these, these guys are paid to evaluate these goalies you know, they're, the scouts and the coaches are all paid to evaluate and watch these goalies and uh, to figure out who the best guy is there. So in their mind, he was the number three and he came in and he was given a shot. And, you know, if you come in as the number three, you don't have much margin for error. And then he had that really tough game against Boston where he ended up getting pulled. And yeah, the defense was bad. The team in front of him wasn't playing that well, but when you have that little margin for error, it felt like when he was getting pulled that, that was his shot. And right. you know, with the goaltending being so inconsistent as it is now, the fact that they haven't brought him up for another shot to see, maybe we got something here. Maybe we could try that. Makes yeah. me think that they're pretty settled with him as the number three. Maybe they give it a shot. Maybe they bring in, you know, we've seen them in the past, bring in a veteran guy who's a borderline two, three goalie who could go it go to the AHL or NHL, depending on how training camp is. So maybe they bring in a, a guy and tell Fukali, look, if you want to be the number two, you got to compete for it right now. Um, you're right. Because when he's on, those games where he was on for the Caps, he was really on and he was great. But like I said, that margin for error was so little that when he got pulled, it felt like, sorry, kid, that was your shot. So I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm doubtful that we see him as the NH as one of the two guys next year, but We'll have to see what happens in training camp. And you've talked about that all season about uh, VTech. I've heard you on different podcasts, even your own podcast. I've listened to it years ago. Um, we really need to have you back having a podcast, JJ. I, I don't know. We got to get you back on the air. You were the go-to. I listened to your podcast every day. And uh, you and uh, Tarek Elbashir used to really break things down. Just on a sidebar here, when the Capitals went to the Stanley Cup, you know, they're playing Columbus and both you guys are talking about, are they going to do it? Are they, are they going to be able to do it? And they ended up winning the Stanley Cup. So anyway, um, after the break here, we are going to talk about the Capitals facing a rebuild. Yes, I think it is imminent. I don't know exactly when it's going to be. And then of course, we will talk about Alex Ovechkin as he goes for the goal scoring lead after the break. 
This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolution, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible ingredients like yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They're all so good. These are going to be your new favorite. All Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yeah, the Puffs too, 100% chocolate. Low-calorie, high-protein replace your candy bars with these. These are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere between two to 300 calories. Go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. That's use promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at built.com. All right, welcome back. We have J.J. Regan here from NBC Sports Washington and just talking about a rebuild. You know, it seems inevitable. You look around hockey, you take a look at the New York Rangers, you look to baseball, the Washington Nationals Nationals are in the middle of a rebuild. How many years are the Caps away from a rebuild, do you believe? Uh, Well, that is entirely dependent on what Brian McClellan and Ted Leonsis decide to do with this team. To me... I don't think they're that far away at all. I think if you lose in the first round this year, look, you know, after the Stanley Cup, they lost in the first round to Carolina. And you could explain it away as, you know, they ran out of gas. And then they lost in the first round to the New York Islanders. And then you could explain it away as they really did not have the head coaching to to make a deep run. You know, Todd Reardon was, was completely outclassed by Barry Trotz. Mm-hmm. And it showed. So you bring in Peter Laviolette. And, you know, they lost in the first round last year. And you can say, look, weird year. Nobody was healthy. They ran out of gas. This year, if you lose in the first round, like at some point when you when you are as old as this team is and you keep running out of gas in the playoffs, that's a sign that it, that these guys are that they're old. You know, you can't just say, well, next year they won't run out of gas. Well, they're not going to get younger next year with these guys. Like at some point you have to say these guys – the championship window is closed. Now that's very easy for me to say because it's not my money when, uh, you know, when I'm selling tickets and I'm looking at a half empty building because we're in a rebuild. That's easy for me to say because I don't have to keep Alex Ovechkin happy when he's going on the gold chase because Alex Ovechkin doesn't want to go on the gold chase. He doesn't want to go on the Gretzky chase on a last place team. He doesn't want to do that. He's a competitive player. And one of the things when he signed that five-year deal, one of the things that I noticed when they talked about was, he didn't sign it right away. And one of the things he wanted to talk to Ted Leonsis about was how competitive this team would be. Now, look, what people have to understand, this team does not have the prospect pool for them to go for them to bridge the gap and go, you know, a year without the playoffs and then just be contenders again. It's not going to work that way. You're going to have to sell off assets. You're going to have to build and it's going to take time. Uh, my concern I'm a proponent from tearing it all down and building it back up. I think that's the best way to do it. I think you see when teams are the most successful, that's how they do it. I don't want this team to be the Detroit Red Wings who 
you know, sold off first round draft pick for years and years and years, sold off assets for years and years to years so they could squeeze into the playoffs, lose in the first round and keep their playoff streak alive. And then when it was time to, you know, there were years of being a non-competitive team and then they decided to rebuild because then they realized this isn't going to work this way. So to me, if you do that and you try to retool, you're just delaying the inevitable rebuild. Sometimes you can catch fire. Sometimes you can get that free agent who changes things, but it's rare. So to me, you have to tear it down to the studs and then rebuild it, you know, maybe have with like Ovechkin and Backstrom and Carlson as the, the veteran core of this team that you can build around who can teach the younger guys. I don't think that's the route they're going to go. I think if they lose in the first round this year, my I, I think they're going to retool, try to retool, try to bring the guys back. To me, I, I think that's a mistake. I don't like half measures when it comes to, to rebuilding. I know it's a lot more fun to see a team that is at least somewhat competitive trying to go into the playoffs than seeing a team totally bottom out. But I think that's how you find long-term success. So, you know, to answer your question, you know, if they lose in the first round this year, which I think is a distinct possibility, if they play a team like Florida, then I think it's time to consider that rebuild and to sell off everything that you can. I don't think they're going to do that. I think we're going to see them retool for a few years to try to keep stay competitive while Ovechkin's going on the Gretzky chase. Yeah, and that's the perils of doing uh, in a, a win-now mode because when you're in win-now mode, you give away draft picks, you give away futures. See Kevin Shattenkirk, for example. Guy that played on the Capitals for just a brief period of time, tribute uh, a whole. So my big concern in all of that is that uh, Peter Lavula is not the fall guy because it always seems like the head coach is the guy that gets the axe. But look, at his record, he's the winningest coach in history. I'd like to think his chief, but uh, it uh, that remains to be seen. Um, one other person I was going to ask you about here as well is Tom Wilson. Around the league, he is seen as a goon, as a tough guy. But what did he prove? I mean, he's the number three on the Washington's in goals. And, uh, you know, everyone says, I hate Tom Wilson. I posted something on Twitter about Tom Wilson, and everyone goes, I hate him. I hate him. There's not another team in the league that wouldn't kill to have a guy like that on their team. What are your thoughts on Tom Wilson? Like I say, number three on the team in goals. He brings a physical presence, but that's what every team wants. I mean, take a look at the Rangers, for God's sake. They picked up Ryan Reeves. They've said just to combat people like Tom Wilson. So why is does he have a hard time beating that rap? I know he was uh, exceptionally physical in the last game, but why can't he get past that perception of just being this goon player? Well, the suspension history is there, and I think that colors a lot of what how people feel about him. They see the suspensions. They don't necessarily see how many 20-goal seasons he scored or the fact – or many people don't remember that he was a, a first-round draft pick. You know, The Capitals knew the skill that he had coming into the league. Um, I, I think he's absolutely fantastic. I think he's a game-changer for this team. I think – you know, it, he mattered so much in the, the cup run and he matters so much when he's in the lineup versus when he's out. He's such a fantastic dynamic player. And it's tough too. you know, I, what I've seen from him more this year and in recent years is the realization that I am a top line or top six player. I cannot fight this fourth line player just because he's agitating the team, because that is a trade that the other team would love for me to be in the box for five minutes along with this fourth line scrub for five minutes. That's not a good trade for the cats. And he's really pulled back this year. Um, and in recent years, uh, you know, it's, he is the biggest kid in the playground. And sometimes when you're the biggest kid in the playground, 
even if you don't mean to play rough, you somebody gets hurt and it's unfortunate. You never want to see that happen. And I'm not going to, I'm not giving a blanket excuse for all the suspensions. I think some of those suspensions were fair. Some of them were earned. He plays on the edge. There's no question about it. He plays on the edge. He knows physicality is important to his game and he uses that. Uh, he, he's got to come back off that edge more because I, I think the important thing to remember is as we've seen, the NHL is going to be unforgiving with these situations going forward. And he's one bad hit away from missing 40 games as opposed to 20. So he's got to be careful about that. But I, I think he's fantastic. And as you mentioned, every team in the league would love to have this guy, a 20 goal scorer who can hit like he hits, who has the body that he has, who could skate like he skates and, you know, has the leadership that he has because, you talk to him. He's an articulate guy. He, he is a smart guy. So he is not the knuckle dragging thug that a lot of people think he is. He's just he has a few bad hits that he had to answer for. He's pulled back. And right now his value to this team is in his skill more so than his physicality. It's still there. It's what makes him a, a great player as opposed to a good player. It's very important, but right now the Capitals are benefiting from the skill that he adds to the lineup more so than just the physicality. Yeah, and I see him as being the future captain of the Washington Capitals. I just think that he's had a good mentor in the form of Alex Ovechkin. And I think if he could learn some things from Alex Ovechkin is you don't have to engage in all those fights. Uh, If you look back years ago when Alex Ovechkin was younger, he would drop the gloves all the time. And his last uh, major fight I can think of was with uh, Shvetsnikov a couple years ago against the Carolina. So, I mean, you don't have to be that junkyard dog that engages with everyone, but definitely a physical presence is what he brings. And that's why the Capitals love him and his goal scoring touch. Um, Evgeny Kuznetsov. Let's take a look at him. Number two on the Capitals in scoring. He was a guy that was on the trade block last year. And I remember some of the beat writers were talking about, they say they would love to trade Kuznetsov, but they wouldn't get enough for him. Explain the change in Kuznetsov. He went from the trade block to being number two on the Caps. I know he had um, some personal issues. He had some issues um, uh, with COVID, that other kind of thing. But it seems like he's really dialed in and more mature this year. What is the big change in Evgeny Kuznetsov? He seems like he's a, a different player completely. Yeah, I think one thing that we undervalued last year was the effect COVID had on him in his season. Uh, he he wasn't asymptomatic. He had symptoms of it. And so he he was out for a month. You know, even if you're out for a month healthy in the middle of the season, that's hard to come back from. Now, add in the fact that you have COVID, you know, uh, that depending on how badly you have it, that can be tough to come back from. And so he had it, he had symptoms. He tried to come back in the middle of the season and he struggled from it. And I think that legitimately impacted his season last year very significantly. And it's something that was not talked about enough this year. I, he was asked in the off season, do you think you're going to be back here next year? I, I, you know, it, he's a guy who, he, he's a different dude. I mean, he just is. Uh, you know, after the, the, the cup, I thought he was on track to become one of the top players in the league. I thought, you know, and really the first month after the cup too, the first month of that season, I thought MVP season, here it comes. Like he's going to be a finalist for the heart. He's a guy, he came out and he said he didn't want to win the heart because he didn't want to work every day. That's just was his mentality. And I think he sort of understood. I got a good thing going here. If I want to stay here, 
I'm going to have to really, I'm going to have to buckle down and work for it. And I think, I, I think we've seen that from him this year. He's been healthy. He's been more focused. He's played really well. Um, I, I don't think we're ever going to see heart trophy level Kuznetsov again. I think that was more the exception than the rule. Uh, but he has proven himself to be a top line center. And one other thing he's doing too, you know, he drives everyone nuts with the fact that he doesn't shoot enough. This year, I think we're seeing more shots from him. I and mean, we're seeing more shots from him when goalies are not expecting it. He has shot a lot of very sharp angle shots that goalies just are not ready for because they don't think you can hit that corner. And he absolutely can because he is that skilled. So I think he, he's taking advantage of the tools he has at, available to him. And he's healthy and he's more focused. And we've seen the results for sure. Yeah, I, I, he's just a great player and just a great turnaround. He just seems to be that much more mature. Uh, one of the highlights I can think of this year is his uh, famous shootout goal where he almost stopped completely and zigged and zigged and shot it in. Just a really great moment. And he's great for com uh, comedic relief. If you just see all his antics on the side, he's just a great player to have around. So we're going to finish up here with Alex Ovechkin. Of course, he's on pace to try to uh, catch Wayne Gretzky. Um, how long can we expect to keep Ovi producing at such a high level? He's on par here, and he will definitely get 50 goals again this year. How many years can we expect Alex Ovechkin to keep producing at such a high level? He seems to be aging like a fine wine. He kind of is like a Tom Brady of the NHL. How do you uh, how do you explain his success? I think you know it's he works out a lot in the off season, but uh, just amazing, kind of defies all odds. Yeah, he, he's a freaking ager. That's about the only way you can explain what he's doing now. Um, how long can you expect it? I don't know, because what he's doing is is literally unprecedented. I believe he is one or two goals away from tying Tamu Solani for the most goals by a player 36 years old and older ever, ever. So can we expect him to do that next year? That's you know, it's unrealistic because no one has done it. No one is doing what he's doing essentially. Um, but expect the unexpected with this guy. He is just different. He is a freak of nature. He does not seem to ever get hurt. And I think, I think more, what I worry is, you know, like what we're seeing from TJ Oshie. I don't think we're going to see the skills deteriorate on Oveshkin. I just wonder if you reach a point where all of a sudden those injuries do catch up with him at some point. That, that's my fear where, you know, one year he play, he's still scoring at a 50 goal rate, but he plays 60 games that year. And then the next year he plays 50 games. That That's what I worry from him because he plays, you know, the, he does not play. He, he's never 50% Ovechkin. He's always 100% Ovechkin. So, you know, it, it's, it's, I, you have to you have to have two two answers for the question of how long he, can he do this? Can he do this again next year? No, because no one ever does this. It is it is you know physically impossible. We've never seen anyone score at the rate that he's scored at the age he's he's about to break and probably pass the record for that. So can you expect him to do something that's never been done two years in a row? Probably not. Then again, this is Ovechkin, and all he does is defy odds and defy expectations. So I'm not going to say that he can't. Because every time I do, he proves me wrong. But, you know, at some point, every everyone is going to say he can't do this again next year. And at some point, everyone's going to be right. Because at some point, Father Time is undefeated and it will catch up with him. But I'm I'm done trying to predict, predict when that will be because he just keeps proving me wrong. 
Yeah, it's quite remarkable, his career and his uh, trajectory. Everyone said, well, he's getting older. It's got to slow down at some point. That does not seem to be the case for Alex Ovechkin. JJ, years for a long time, your work, your written work, your podcast. So much for joining us today. Yeah, it was good to be on. Thanks a lot. All right, we'll talk to you again sometime.